0: Oh, oh, oh,
1: Emotions are centered in the lower part of the brain. It is complicated, yes, but mysterious no longer. Emotional behavior is largely involuntary. (laughs) I can't believe that. We have certain basic emotions which are controlled subconsciously. Notice your own emotional reactions. What did you feel? What did you do? Under control, your emotions can make you healthier and happier and improve the lives of people around you. This is pretty clever. That's a rather simplified suggestion of a complex mental process. Central Campus, yeah! Come on! Let me hear from you. Good to see everybody. Glad you're here with us. Uh, My name is Michael Singer, and I am the pastor at our Lake Norman campus. Uh, I'm also part of our teaching team. So, if you're unfamiliar with Freedom House, we have three physical locations, and we have a teaching team, so different people will be there speaking in person. Uh, so, I get to be here. I'm typically at Lake Norman, but I get to be here with Central. I love you, Central Campus! You're so great. So, it's- It's good for me to be back. We also have some people watching the live stream. Thanks for joining us. We have people from New Jersey, New York, all the way from North Carolina, they decided to live stream. We have South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, Virginia, and Indiana. So y'all give a big hand for the live streamers. All right, so today is a special day. You might have woke up, you didn't know that, but today is a very special day. And the reason why it's special is not just because you're awake in here, but Because today is Pastor Penny's birthday. So we are going to do something. She is out of town. Um, She is preaching in another church. And so let me put my passcode in. There we go. We're going to do something for her. We are going to shoot a video, and we're going to shout as loud as we can. Now listen, I already walked up on this platform Don't make me get off and come down there. We're going to shout loud. If you're live streaming, I want to hear you through the camera, shout loud. So here's what we're going to do. On the count of three, and I'm going to do this with my hand, I'm going to put the mic down just to give you an idea. I'm going to do, and then we're going to shout, all right? Happy birthday, Pastor Penny. Okay, let me get to my video. And if you haven't noticed, this is not my forte, so let's all hope this goes well. Okay, mic is going down, fingers will go up. We'll see if that comes out right. <laughs> it's a crapshoot. If you follow me on Instagram, you don't follow much. So all right, let's get let's get into this series. All this laughter is actually a great segue into the series we're in because the series we're in is all about emotions and the joy that we feel that might spur on laughter is part of that. So we're talking about emotions. The reason why we're doing this series on emotions is because If you read the Bible, you will read that God had emotions and Jesus had emotions. We believe in God's word. We believe in the Bible. So when the Bible says that we're created in his image, then what that tells me is if God and Jesus have emotions, then we have emotions. And so I know we've all experienced the the various different kinds of emotions, and there's no problem with emotions at all. But... It does become a problem when our emotions hold too much weight in our lives and begin to lead us and guide us in everything. That's why we're doing this series, because we want you to leave here every weekend. We want you to leave with maybe just a principle or something that as emotions come, that we're able to navigate and work through those emotions so they don't bury us in life or they don't hold us back in life, or they don't keep us stagnant in their life, but we can let them be there as we're continuing to follow God and move through life. I want to start with the scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs has a lot of stuff to say about emotions. I'm going to read Proverbs 16, verse 32. Whoever, everybody in here has potential to be a whoever. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Any of us that are slow to anger, we are better than the mighty. I thought about what the mighty was. And when I personally think about the mighty, you ever seen these movies back in the day where they didn't have all the weapons and they had to do hand-to-hand combat? I mean, they got a sword. Every time we watch, my wife and I watch those movies, I'm just in awe of this hand-to-hand battle, and people that can survive that, to me, they are mighty. One of the greatest movies that comes to mind is Braveheart. And William Wallace, if you don't know, go watch it today. But William Wallace was a mighty man. But do you know that if we are able to control our anger, then we are mightier than even someone like a William Wallace, the mightiest person out there, the warrior that stands on the battlefield, whatever picture of a warrior you get, if only we can control our anger. The Bible says we're better than that. It goes on to say, and he who rules his spirit is better than the person who takes a city. You know what it means to rule our spirit? It means to have self-control. You mean to tell me if we have the ability to walk through life and have self-control, then we are greater than a person who could take a city. Anybody here ever taken a city? All right. If you raise your hand, you lied. We're better than that. This is all about emotions. God is letting us know That if we have the ability not to let our emotions take us and run with us and lead us and guide us, then we can be mightier than the mightiest person that has the ability to take a city. The title of the message today is Emotions Are Fishy. Emotions Are Fishy. Now, there's two reasons I entitled it Emotions Are Fishy, because we're going to look at a story in the Bible that sort of spurred that title on for me, is the first reason. The second reason that I want to name this Emotions Are Fishy is because by a show of hands, raise your hand if you've ever been fishing before and caught a fish. Let's see if any hands go down. Okay. <laughs> I love to fish, but when you catch a fish, there's a couple of things that can potentially happen. If you don't have a good grip on that fish, you think, oh, the fish is still, I can grab it. It will slip right out of your hand. It will just start moving and slip right out of your hand. The other thing that can happen when you catch a fish and are holding it is if you don't grab it right, it can fin you. Anybody ever ever been finned by a fish? Yeah, it leaves a little cut, and usually it's on your hand. The worst place to have a cut is on your fingers and your hand that you have to use all day, and it just feels like it's a constant irritation. Well, I feel like emotions can be very slippery. They can take us down a slippery slope, just like that fish darting out of our hands. But I think they can also fin us or hurt us or stick us or prick us and leave little wounds in our lives that sit around and they happen over and over again, and we're reminded of that emotions. Emotions are fishy. Here's the main point I want you to leave today with. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Emotions should mark us, not make us. Emotions should mark us, not make us now, on my right arm, uh, I have two scars. I love scars out of my two arms. this is my favorite arm, and it 's because of these two scars that I have. I have one right where my my hand kind of meets my wrist uh, it 's kind of a kind of like a circle, but that scar came when uh, I had uh, a chemical burn that the chemical was eating through my skin to where when I looked at it, I could see the layers of my skin. Thankfully, it killed a lot of the nerve endings, so it didn't feel as bad as it sounds. But I could look, and I was, oh, my gosh, but I love this scar. It is beautiful. The other scar I have is this long line, like, right here on my arm. And I got that scar because I was loading this massive grill into a truck truck. And the grill sat on top of, like, the legs of it was attached to that. But the attachments weren't that great. The grill started sliding as we had it on the truck. I went to grab the grill in the corner just said, and it just cut me. Now, my wife said I probably should have got stitches. Do you think I got stitches? No, because it left a beautiful scar. What if I was talking with you out in the lobby afterwards and I said, hey, I got these two scars and I no longer have use of this arm. And you were like, oh my gosh, did it like hit a nerve? Did it hit something that paralyzed your arm? And I'm like, "Nah, just scars. Or if I had something covering it all up and I said, man, don't, don't touch this arm. I got scars. And you were like, oh my gosh, is it real sensitive? Like, does it burn when people touch it? And I'm like, "Nah, it's just scars. You would walk away from me going, this dude's lost his mind. To think that I've I've lost all mobility and function of this arm just because I have two scars. That's ludicrous. That's crazy. That's nuts. But how often do we do that in our lives when it comes to emotions? Instead of just allowing emotions to mark us like these scars, we allow them to make us. You see, I have scars on my arm, but I still have full function of this arm, and I still use this arm for what it was intended to do. Whenever we allow our emotions to make us instead of mark us, then we begin to get out of our function of what God intended for us to do and be in life. Our emotions should mark us, not make us. We're going to look at a guy today in the Bible that I think from his emotion and how he operates in it, I think he has a lot to share with us and teach us about some principles. When we're walking through life and we're wrestling with, am I going to allow this emotion to mark me or make me? What do we do? The guy we're going to look at today is a guy by the name of Jonah. He has a book in the Bible. He's what is considered a minor prophet, but he is a prophet. So prophets, they hear from God, and they they say what God said to the people around them. And he has four chapters in his book, and I'm going to give you a brief overview of what happens to Jonah. So Jonah is called by God, and God says, hey, I have an assignment for you. I need you to go to this place called Nineveh. These people have been very wicked, and I've, it's, wrote, it's come up before me. I've seen it, and they're so wicked, and they have no desire to change that I'm going to destroy them. So, Jonah, I want you to go and tell them that, hey, because of their wickedness, they're going to be destroyed. Just give them an idea of what's going on. And then it says, Jonah said, peace out, and he ran. He got on a boat because he wanted to get away, and the boat was headed to a place called Tarshish. Now, I intentionally said where he was heading because I will no longer say that city name when I read it or when I say it. We will call it t Because if you couldn't tell, I had to really slow down and enunciate to even say Tarshish. So, t is where he went. So, he's on the boat. Because he's on the boat running, this massive storm comes up. Crazy big storm. And Jonah comes to the, the guys on the, the boat, the ship, and he says, hey, look, I'm the problem for this. Throw me overboard. You should be good. They throw Jonah overboard, and he gets quiet. This big fish, when they throw him overboard, comes and swallows up Jonah. It says Jonah's in this fish for three days and three nights. And while he's in this fish, he has a come-to-God moment. And I think it's safe to say if any of us were in the si- inside of a fish alive, we would probably have a come-to-God moment. So he, he says, hey, God, look, I realize I messed up, but I'm willing to do what you've called me to do. So God has the fish vomit him on shore. He gets up. God says the same thing. Hey, man, go to Nineveh and tell them their wickedness, they're going to be destroyed. So Jonah goes, and he tells everybody in this city. And when they hear the words of Jonah from God, a light bulb goes off for them from the king down to the smallest person. And the king says, We are going to fast and pray. We're going to put sackcloth on ourselves. We're going to put sackcloth on our animals. And we are going to pray to God that he would save us. We're going to repent and just trust and hope and believe. We're going to change from our wicked ways and begin to follow God. Hopefully, he will spare us. And you know what? God spared them. God had mercy. He saw their willingness to change, and he decided to change the outcome of their life. This is like the greatest movie. You know, you're watching your movie and you're like, oh my gosh, are the good people going to win? Is it going to work out all right? It's not going great for them right now. It looks like they might be destroyed, but then they win and you're like, oh my gosh, this was so great. This is where we are in the story. It is great. But Jonah doesn't stop here. That was just the end of chapter three. So let's read in chapter four and see what happens. After this great thing has happened, after God has shown mercy, let's pick up in chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Jonah 4, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. Now, when you look at this in the Hebrew, what this means is that Jonah actually was so mad that he thought what, what God did to save the people was actually evil, This is how mad it is. So when it says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly, it was because he felt like this was wrong of God, so wrong that it was borderline evil. And he was angry. There's that emotion. And he prayed to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Teville, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. We have three chapters of a story where we don't really get to hear a lot of emotion that's going on with Jonah. He just ran. But in chapter four, we're introduced to the emotion that led to the whole story. And I wrote this down. This emotion, this emotion of anger that Jonah had, it could have just marked what Jonah had to work on. But instead, it allowed it to make what he would have to walk through. This emotion could have just marked what he would have to work through. In life, we're gonna experience things. And those emotions can either mark what we're gonna have to work through in that moment or they can make what we're going to have to walk through. You see, if Jonah had come up to God out the gate and said, hey man, I'm a little upset because I know you to be merciful and I know you to be just and I know you to be kind and I know that when you see people turn to you, it does something to your heart and you will change your mind and you will not destroy them. I know you to be that way, but I'm mad about this. I'll do it anyway. He wouldn't have been on the boat. There wouldn't have been a storm. There wouldn't have been a fish. None of that would have happened. But because he allowed this anger to make him it led him on a journey that God really never intended for him to be on. So as we look at Jonah, let's go back. Now that we know the emotion, let's go back and look at the story. Because as we look at this story, I believe we can begin to see what can happen to us if we allow emotions to make us. Through the lens of Jonah and his life, if we allow our emotions to make us, What are some of the traps that we can find ourselves in? Jonah chapter one, verses one through three, back in the beginning, it said the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed from Tevil. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tville to flee from the Lord. The first thing we see from the story of Jonah is that emotions will make us run. Emotions will make us run. You ever have somebody that's hurt you, maybe a good friend, and they've hurt you so bad and you're so mad and you're so angry at them that you run from even telling them how much they hurt you? and you run from the relationship, and you run from being around them, and you run from trying to make the relationship right because the pain and the hurt and the idea of confronting them is just too tough? You ever seen your parents or seen a marriage that maybe was a wreck and maybe was hard, and maybe you have a lot of pain from that marriage, and maybe there's a lot of hurt that you had growing up, and we make the statement, I will never get married if that's what marriage is. We run from it. Maybe we think I was treated like this by men and I'll never allow a man to be close to me. I was treated like this by women and I will never allow someone to be that close to me. Or I was hurt by a close friend and so I'm going to run from relationship. Or maybe I'm hurt so bad I'm just going to run from forgiveness because I feel like that I give them an out if I forgive them. When our emotions make us, they will make us run. When they no longer mark us, but they begin to shape everything about us, then our emotions will make us run from the things that maybe God wants to do in our life. Maybe God wants to paint a different picture. Maybe God wants to have a different story. But we run from that, and we never get to experience maybe, just maybe, the goodness that God has for us, even though we've been hurt before. Not only will our emotions make us run but our emotions will make others pay the price. Our emotions will make others pay the price. Emotions are electric. I mean you see Morgan up here and Morgan is like dancing around and Tony down here in the front row just buck wild up in the front doing all kind of stuff and they express their emotion. We don't have to express our emotion like that, but emotions play a big part in the people around us and every they they're they're kind of we feed off of those emotions whether we recognize it or not. Yesterday, we were baptizing some people down at Rebound, which is a a drug rehab place for men, and they had this one guy there, and he was like the Flavor Flav and Little John of baptisms. And here's what I mean by that: if you know those guys, I know them not personally, but I like know who they are. They are the ultimate hype men, and this dude was hype as hype gets. Every time somebody got baptized, he was like, come here, man, hug it. He was loud and boisterous. And, man, we were like, we're going to take you to just do baptism with us at church and everywhere because he made the whole area electric. That's how our emotions affect, good or bad. That's how they affect. You have Jonah getting on a boat. These guys don't know what's going on with Jonah. They don't know what's happening with Jonah. They don't know his story. He just sneaks on the boat and goes down and goes to sleep. And here's what happens as we continue the story. In Jonah chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 4 in the first part of verse 5. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. What we need to understand about this idea of them throwing cargo into the sea is this really represents their livelihood. Whether they were transporting something to get paid for or whether part of that cargo was actually their own stuff, this represented their livelihood. So what that means is when Jonah allowed his emotion to shape and make his story, that it did have an effect on these sailors. It actually made them pay the price for their livelihood just because he was on board. You see, we walk through life. And when we allow our emotions to to shape us and make us and not just mark us, we think that it is only affecting us or we think we are the only ones involved, but that's actually not true. The real question to ask is who is paying the price for my emotion taking the lead of my life? Who is paying that price when I allow my emotions to take the lead? Are my kids paying that price? Does my wife pay that price when I come home from work and I'm just mad? Do my other employees around me pay the price whenever I'm mad at my boss and I have this team and I'm just like, you know what, blah, blah, blah. Do they begin to get angry and mad and do they pay the price in their attitude or maybe even their work? We have to understand that when our emotions begin to make us, they can also make others around us pay the price. We continue in the story, and it says, picking up in verse 5, after this big storm, the ship's, you know, about to break, but Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Now, look, we just read earlier that this, was, this storm was so bad, it said the ship was about to break apart. Growing up in Louisiana, we had this tornado come through when I was young, probably like seven or eight years old. And all my cousins were at the house. We were all at the house. I knew it was going to be a bad storm. And the tornado's coming, and we all get in the hallway because that's where you're most protected, get away from all the glass and everything. But my oldest cousin, Sean, is knocked out asleep. Do you know he was so fast asleep that they had to drag him out of the bed, drag him to the hallway, and put him back in the bed, and Sean had no clue anything was going on. This is the kind of deep sleep that Jonah must have been in. I mean, this is major. Our house never rattled when Sean was there, but this boat was about to tear apart, and the guy said, how in the world can you sleep during a storm like this? Well, here's what I see when it comes to emotions and us shaping them, is that emotions will make us lose sight of reality. Emotions will make us lose sight of reality. They will make us fall asleep to the things that are actually going on in our life. What have we fallen asleep to because we've allowed our emotions to make us? What have we missed out on what God is doing because we're so much looking at the hurt or the pain? I love talking to people and I talked to a guy recently that he lost his grandmother and it was extremely sad. They were all heartbroken. The family was sad, but as we're talking and he's talking about the pain and the sadness that he and his brother and how much they're going to miss his grandmother, he threw in there and said, but you know what? My grandmother knew God. My grandmother was, she was like a foundation for this family in following God. She is leaving a legacy to us that I couldn't buy at a store or get anywhere else. She's leaving a legacy of following God with this family, and I'm so appreciative for everything that she did in my life. He was hurt. He was sad. He's had, he be, was beginning moments of grieving, and probably still has moments where he's continuing through that. But he didn't allow that emotion to cause him to lose sight of the reality. The reality was is that God was still doing something. That God had done something in his grandmother's life that had affected him. And he wasn't going to allow that emotion to shape him. But it was going to be a mark that he would have to carry with him his whole life. But he was going to follow God because he could recognize and see beyond the moment that God was doing something more masterful. That God had a bigger picture bigger picture, and a bigger plan at play. How often do we do that in life? When we're stuck in traffic and we want to get real mad like I do, maybe God is saying, hey, this is a good moment for you to just hang with me and talk to me. Maybe I'll give you a little bit of time. You can pray for some people around you. Maybe there's something I want to change. Maybe I'm keeping you from a wreck or something that could have happened down there. We just never know. But our emotions can make us lose sight of that reality. So we read Jonah 4, the emotion that started all this. And then we begin to pick up, and I want to read what happens after Jonah says, I'm so mad, God. I'm so angry that you're going to save these people. I knew you to be kind. I knew you to be just. Let's pick up and see what happens after Jonah has expressed his disdain towards God. Jonah chapter 4, verses 5-11. through 11. Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. I love this because I feel like Jonah's just having a pity party. Like he's just pouting. What I picture is I picture Jonah sitting out there just watching, just mad. Hmm. See what God's going to do. You ever been like that? I've been like that. I've been mad. So he's sitting out there potentially pouting. There he made himself a shelter, sat in his shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head, to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the plant. I know what it's like to feel that kind of happiness. When you're in the hot sun and there's some shade, oh, my gosh. So I understand this feeling that he's having of happiness for having the shade. But at dawn, verse 7, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. There it is again. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? I love Jonah's just honest response. It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. This is the third time, y'all. Jonah's having a bad day. Like, this is rough. If you don't know, he's emotional right now and driven by that emotion. He said three times, I just wish I didn't have to go through any of this. But the Lord said in verse 10, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left And also many animals. God is saying Jonah man. You didn't do jack diddly squat with this plant. But you're so excited and so in love with this plant. that It made you so angry that it's gone now. It came up overnight and then it's gone. How in the world do you have the right to be angry that you had no concern at, at making, you had no involvement in, you were just happy with what it provided for you? How can you be so concerned? Then God said, what about me? I am the one that created the people that live in Nineveh. I had a part to play in their life. I see that they don't have the understanding of what sin is. They're so confused and so lack common sense, they don't even see their right hand from their left hand. I see that they don't understand. How much more do you think I am concerned and care for them? And then it hit me. Our emotions will make our concern more important than God's concern. When we allow our emotions to shape us and make us, then what will happen is that our concerns will become more important than God's concerns. God, I wish you would just get this traffic out of the way so I could get to work. It's all about me. God, I wish you would show that person. I wish you would show them what they've done to me. I wish you would show them the pain. I wish you would give me the opportunity to show them myself, God. God, I'm so concerned with this right here. And God's like, what about my concern? God, I'm so concerned with my finances. And God's like, do you tithe? Are you concerned with giving up those finances and releasing the control they have over you? And maybe impacting someone else outside of you? God, I'm so concerned with what they're doing or saying at that church. I'm so concerned with the music being so loud. I'm so concerned with all these things. And God's like, do you care about my concern? I'm concerned about people gathering together and lifting my name up. I'm not concerned about all the little preferences and details that we have about stuff. I'm concerned about something far bigger. I'm concerned about people's lives being changed. It's so easy for our concerns to become greater than God's concerns when we allow our emotions to make us and not just mark us. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Verse 19 is something that I, I say in my head quite often. Verse 20 slapped me in the face when I read it and was very convicting. It says this, my dearest brothers and sisters, take this to heart. Be quick to listen but slow to speak and be slow to become angry. That's something that I'll say to myself when I find myself getting worked up. But this next part is huge. For human anger is never. You know what that means in Greek? Not ever. Never. It is never a legitimate tool to promote God's righteous purpose. I can get angry that I know somebody that doesn't love God. I can get angry at that person that doesn't see how much God loves them. I can get angry at that person that's mad at God because they've had hurt and pain in their life. And I want to get them to see that God loves them and that he can change their life. I can get angry at them and express that and say, why can't you see? Why don't you understand? Why don't you get it? Your life is tearing you apart. It's as obvious as my right hand is from my left hand. But that anger... Causes me to block God's righteous purpose. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be intentional or have things that get us excited or amped up, but the Bible's clear. It says, Be angry, but do not sin. You see, I think the sin is tied into right here is that I block and I don't promote. God's righteous purpose when that anger begins to make me and not just mark me? Our emotions were intended to just mark, not make. Are we running? Have our emotions caused us to run? Are our emotions hurting the people around us and making others pay the price? Are our emotions causing us to not see the reality of maybe what God is doing in his bigger picture and bigger scheme of life? Or have I allowed my emotions to make my concerns greater than God's concerns? If you will, stand to your feet with me. And as you stand, I want to read this last scripture. It's in Romans chapter eight, and it's verse six. It says, for the sense and reason of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace. My emotions will often cause me to make sense and reason out things. Make sense and reason out maybe how I should respond about something. Make sense and make me reason out the direction I should go or what I should or shouldn't do. But this verse right here says, when I begin to, to make sense and reason, reason from the flesh side of my emotions, then all it does is lead to Death. But when my mindset is controlled by the Spirit, it will find life and peace. If you will, close your eyes with me. I just want you to think about what's been controlling your life. Has it just been you and the way you see life and what you want to do? Has it been that sense and reasoning just out of your flesh And you're just trying to make it through. You're just trying to do different than maybe your dad did or do different maybe than your mom did or be different than that person you saw or not fail at something like they did. Are we just reasoning things out on our own? Or have we given God an opportunity to have a mindset of the spirit that brings life? Today you have an opportunity to walk out of here. And accept a relationship with God that will allow you to experience the life and have the mindset of the Spirit as you walk through life. And give you another option than just trying to do things yourself. Today, if you're here and you want a relationship with God, a real relationship that doesn't solve everything in a moment, but will change your life so those moments will now have meaning. If you're here and you want that relationship, I'm going to ask you to respond to God if you feel like He's talking to you. And I want you to just right now, lift your hand up and you can put it back down. So just put your hand up and put it back down. I see your hands. Now, I talked about a lot of, a lot of traps we can fall into from Jonah's story when we allow our emotions to make us and not mark us. Was there one of those that stood out to you? Have you been running? Have you begun to notice how people around you are paying the price? Have you maybe feel like you're so wrapped up in the emotion you haven't seen the reality of what God might be doing, or maybe it's you feel like our concern is greater than his concern. If you feel like one of those things God really put his finger on you and spoke to you, and you really want to work on not allowing that to make you anymore, but just mark you, I just want you to raise your hand, let God know you heard it, and you can put it back down. So just raise it up and say, God, I heard you, and put it back down. All right, I'm going to say a prayer. I want you to repeat this prayer loud after me where you can hear yourself. Say it loud. Say, God, I love you. And I thank you that Jesus did not allow an emotion to dictate his story. He was marked, but it didn't make him. He died, and he rose from the grave for me, and I believe that. So God, help me not to allow my emotions to make me anymore. They will only mark me as I follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give God a hand clap for those people.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.